over to your Old Testament to the 51st Psalm this morning. Will you please go in your Bible to Psalm 51. As you turn to Psalm 51 and get ready to study this morning, let me just say how very blessed and happy my family and I feel to be with our church family once again. Uh, we had a battle, Janice and I had battles with COVID for a few days, and it was not pleasant at all, believe me, but we are so thankful to be back again, and we appreciate so much the prayers and the encouragement and all the other various ways that this church served us uh, during our time of sickness. Thank you so much. We love you so much. We appreciate you, and we are just so very thankful to be back here again to worship God on the first day of the week. Are you in Psalm 51? Will you look with me at verse number one? Let's read the words of King David where David writes these words. He says, as he talks to God, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned. And done what is evil in your sight, so that you're justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Drop down to verse 9. In verse 9, he says, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. In verse number 14. In verse 14, David says, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. In verse number 17, he says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. I know that God has forgiven me, but I cannot forgive myself. I cannot get past my past. I cannot forgive myself of all the bad things I've done in my past. Brothers and sisters, have you ever said those kinds of things before? You ever met someone who said those kinds of things before? You ever met someone who's been a Christian maybe for several decades, but they've struggled moving past their past? They've struggled moving beyond their past, even though they've repented of their sins. And they've been baptized for the forgiveness of their sins, that they still walk around with constant feelings of guilt. They still walk around with constant feelings of anguish and sorrow and shame over the bad things they've done in their lives. Now, this kind of guilt and anguish and sorrow and shame was certainly something that King David carried around with him for a time in his life. I mean, we just read that right here in Psalm 51. Here in these verses in Psalm 51, we read about David, the man after God's own heart expressing great sorrow and guilt and shame over the sins he committed in his past, particularly over the sins that he committed in 2 Samuel chapter 11. 
If you recall in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we read about David committing two very awful and terrible sins. We read about him committing adultery with a woman named Bathsheba and then setting up her husband Uriah the Hittite to be killed in battle in an effort to cover his tracks. Now, God actually exposed all this evil David had committed through Nathan the prophet. Then here in Psalm 51, we read about David expressing guilt and sorrow and shame over his sinful actions. And all of that was certainly appropriate. All of that was certainly right. And it was necessary. Feelings of guilt and sorrow and anguish and shame are all necessary feelings that we need to have if we're going to properly seek God's forgiveness. But the question is, what should we do after we seek God's forgiveness? What should we even do after we receive God's forgiveness? I ask you that because sadly, for some of God's children, after they receive God's forgiveness, well, they don't feel very forgiven. They don't feel really anything different. While they might want to feel renewed and free and walk in newness of life, their past, their past keeps haunting them. Their past keeps weighing them down. They want to feel excited about, about living for the Lord today, but they're still stuck in the guilt of their past sins. Unfortunately, for so many Christians, for so many people of God, that's exactly how they live their lives every single day. In fact, maybe, just maybe that describes at least one person in the room this morning, if it does. And I want you to know at least four things. This morning, if you're struggling with moving beyond your past sinful life, I want you to know four very important biblical things. And the first thing I want you to know is I want you to know that you're not alone. You, you are not alone. You are not the only person in the room this morning who has a bad past, but... Everybody in the room this morning who's trying to serve God, guess what? We have a bad past. Everybody in the room who's trying to serve God has a bad past. Every person in the Bible that we can read about who tried to serve God had a bad past. Abraham, the great man of faith, he had a bad past. He had a sinful past. Abraham told big lies that almost brought about the wrath of God on various people, and he lacked in his faith on numerous occasions in his life. Abraham was a liar, and he lacked faith. And Moses, Moses, the great man of God, well, guess what? He missed out on the promised land because there was an occasion when he disobeyed God. We've mentioned David and how David committed adultery with another man's wife. And then he tried to cover that up with murder. Solomon went off into idolatry. Samson committed all kinds of sexual immorality with heathen Philistine women. Rahab was a harlot. Peter denied the Lord not one time, not two times, but three times. And don't even get me started on the Apostle Paul. 
Don't even get me started on, on Saul of Tarsus. When it comes to Saul of Tarsus or the Apostle Paul as we know him today, well, he tells us himself that he had a worse past than all these other people I've mentioned combined. He talks about that in the New Testament. When you go in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 1, I want to show you what Paul says about his past in 1 Timothy chapter 1. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, and we look at verse number 12. The Apostle Paul, he wrote these words in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 12. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service. He put me into his service, Paul says. He put me into kingdom service to do the work of God. Verse 13, even though, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor, and a vile aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Notice how Paul Notice how Paul describes his life before he became a Christian. Notice how before he became a Christian and the great apostle and preacher that we know today, Paul says that he actually tried to destroy Christianity. Paul says that he actually violently persecuted Christians and he blasphemed and he vigorously opposed the name of Jesus Christ. Even though he is one of the greatest heroes of faith that we can read about in the Bible, Paul says that he had some bad memories of his life before he became a Christian. Paul says he had some memories that haunted him. He had, he had some memories he wished he could erase. He had some things from his past that he wished was not on the resume of his life. And the fact of the matter is, I do as well. You do as well. We all do as well. Like the Apostle Paul, we all have done some things in our past that are sinful. We all have done some things that have hurt God. And they've disgraced the name of Jesus Christ. We all have done some things that we regret and that we're ashamed of and that we wish was not on the resume of our lives. For some of us, our list of shameful things include adultery. It includes fornication. It includes having sex outside of marriage. For others of us, it includes drug use and alcohol use. And for others still, it is dishonesty or stained relationships that we may have in our, in our lives right now due to us being gossips and untrustworthy at times. And still for others, in our past, we had total unbelief in God. And we may even have mocked the name of Jesus Christ and mocked his religion. Look, I don't care who we're talking about this morning. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care how much you know about the Bible. Everybody in this room right here, right now, has a past. Everybody has a past. Everybody here has a list of sinful things 
that you have done in your past, but the Bible says that when we surrendered to the gospel and we gave our lives to Jesus Christ, guess what God did for us? Well, God forgave us. God forgave us of our sins. God forgave us, listen carefully, for all of our sins. The problem, though, is, is so often we don't trust that. We don't really believe that. We of all people on the face of the planet, we don't have faith in the good news of the gospel. Now, the Apostle Paul didn't have that kind of mindset. Going back to 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul makes it very clear how he felt about God's forgiveness. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 14, after Paul talks about all the awful things he had done before he became a Christian, listen carefully to his language. He says in verse 14, And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Notice how instead of allowing the awful and terrible things in his past, and as we pointed out, Paul has some awful and terrible things in his past. Look, I know we've all done some bad things in our past. We all have a list of sinful things we've done in our lives, but I think it's safe to say that none of us have been as bad as the Apostle Paul. I don't care what we've done. I think it's pretty clear that none of us have on our resume of life a past that includes going into the homes of Christians and dragging them out and throwing them in jail. We haven't done that. We haven't tried to destroy the church. We haven't tried to stomp out Christianity before. The Apostle Paul did that. The Apostle Paul did some things that are way worse in all honesty, way worse than anything we've ever done. And yet he says that instead of allowing the awful and terrible things from his past to weigh him down and define him, well, he was committed to putting his trust in the forgiveness of God. He was committed to putting his trust in the grace of God and the mercy of God. He was committed to believing with all his heart that the blood of Jesus Christ was so powerful and so strong that it could save someone even as bad as him. Paul really believed in the forgiveness of God. He really believed in the, in the grace of God. He really believed in the mercy of God. The question, though, is, is do we believe in those things? Do we really believe in the forgiveness of God? Do we really believe in the mercy of God and the grace of God? Do we really believe that God is not lying in the Bible when he says that he has forgiven us? Do, do we really believe in this passage? At Acts 2 and verse 38, when the Bible says that if we repent, if we repent, and if we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, we receive forgiveness of our sins. Now, I know we know this passage. I know we know it. And I know we can quote it. And I know you've heard dozens and dozens of sermons and invitations from this passage. I know that. But the question is, do you believe this verse? 
Do you really believe what this verse says? Do you really believe that if you repent of your sins and if you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you receive forgiveness of your sins? Do you really believe Acts 22 and verse 16? And how if you get up and if you get baptized, the Lord washes away your sins and you call on his name. Do you really believe in the promise of that verse? Do you really believe in the promise of 1 John 1 and verse 9? Do you really believe that if you sin as a Christian and we all sin as Christians from time to time? I sin, you sin. As Christians, we sin, the Bible says. But it also says if we confess our sins, if we as Christians confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, not from some unrighteousness, but the Bible says all unrighteousness. Do we really believe what this verse says? Do we really believe that if we sin as Christians and if we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us? From all unrighteousness. And then what about Hebrews 10, 17? What about where the Bible says that not only will God forgive us of our sins and our lawless deeds, but he also will remember those things, those sins no more. Do we really believe in that verse? I submit that if we really believe what that verse says, then we won't live our lives doing something that God says he's not doing. We won't live our lives acting as though we're holier than God. We won't live our lives holding our past sins against ourselves. We won't live our lives bringing up our past sins over and over and over and over again. We won't live our lives as though we're still going to have to suffer the consequences of forgiven sins when God says we're not going to have to do that. We won't live that kind of life if we really believe what these passages say. Instead, we're going to live like Paul. We're going to live our lives trusting God. We're going to live our lives having faith in God. We're going to live our lives having faith in the fact that God says that if we do what he has required to receive his forgiveness, then he's going to be faithful to do what he has promised to do, and that is take away our sins, wash away our sins, blot them out, remember them no more. If God says in the Bible that he is done with our sins, then guess what? We should be done with them too. We should be done with them if God says he's done with them. We need to start believing what the Bible says. We need to start having faith in what the Bible says about God's forgiveness. If we don't have faith in what the Bible says about God's forgiveness, then that's a sign that we have placed the emphasis of our salvation in the wrong place. That is a sign that instead of living our lives celebrating and embracing the forgiveness and grace of God, we're actually involved in a form of doing penance. We're actually involved in a lifestyle that suggests that if we just beat ourselves up enough every single day, then, then, and only then will God really forgive us. Then and only then will God truly take away our sins and blot them away. That kind of mindset, that kind of attitude is wrong on so many levels. One problem with it is it runs completely contrary to what Paul talks about in 1 Timothy chapter 1. 
going back to those verses in 1 Timothy chapter 1, notice how instead of placing the emphasis of his salvation on the guilt that he felt over his past sins, Paul placed the emphasis on the grace of God according to verse 14. And he placed the emphasis on the fact that Christ came into the world to save sinners. Verse number 15, and he placed the emphasis on the fact that God has given his great mercy to someone even as bad as him. Verse number 16, you see all that language you find in those three verses show us that Paul really believed in the forgiveness of God. He really believed in God's grace. He really believed that God had forgiven him for all the bad things he had done in his past. And if we're struggling this morning, moving beyond our sinful past, then it's time for us to start doing that too. It's time for us to really start trusting what the Bible says. It's time for us to really start trusting and the forgiveness and the grace of God. And when it comes to the past, well, we need to leave the past in the past. We need to leave the past in the past. Paul talks about how he did that in Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to Philippians chapter 3 and listen to what Paul says in verse number 13. As Paul writes to the Philippian church from a Roman jail cell, in Philippians 3 verse 13, Paul says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, Paul says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I want you to notice that language Paul uses there, forgetting what lies behind. Notice how Paul says that when it came to his life as a Christian now, he chose to forget some things. He chose to leave some parts of his past in the past. Well, what parts of his past did he decide to leave in the past? Well, here in the immediate context, he says that he decided to leave his status as a Jew in the past. That's what he says in verses 5 and 6. When you go back up to Philippians 3, verses 5 and 6, Paul lays out his impressive resume as a Jew. Do you see that? He, he, he lays out his, his impressive past status as a leader in Judaism. He says that he accomplished a lot as a Jew, but none of that meant anything to him anymore. Being a Pharisee, being a Benjamite, being a Hebrew of Hebrews, Hebrews, being a, a zealous keeper of God's law. Paul says that all of those accomplishments were rubbish when compared to the blessings he had now in Jesus Christ. Paul says that he left his past status as a Jew in the past, but then a second thing he left in his past is he also left in his past the guilt of his sins. While Paul certainly does mention his sins, his past sins, quite a bit in the New Testament to teach lessons about the grace of God and the forgiveness of God, one thing he never allowed was he never allowed his past sins to distract and cripple him in his service to God. He, he, he never allowed his past sins to become tools of Satan to distract him 
from enjoying the blessings that he now had in Jesus Christ. Paul made a conscious effort to leave his past sins in the past, and, and we should as well. I should as well. You, you should as well. While we've all done some things that we regret and that we're sorrowful for, that we are ashamed of, like Paul, we got to understand that, that God wants us to move on. God wants us to let go. God wants us to understand that that sinful life we used to live, it is over. And now we're new creatures in the body of his son. Now we're Christians. Now we're disciples. Now we are children of God. We're not children of Satan. You see, it is Satan who wants us to wallow in the guilt of our past sins. It is Satan who wants to take our focus off of the blessings we now have in Jesus Christ. It is Satan who knows that if we constantly agonize over sins God has forgiven us of, well, then he can disable us. Then he can keep us unhappy and miserable and depressed. Then he can get us to doubt what the Bible says about freedom and, and newness, and we'll never have the kind of peace that God wants us to have. You see, it is the devil who wants us to live lives that are stuck in the past, but the apostle Paul refused to live that way. Paul didn't live that way. Instead of allowing the devil to use the guilt he had of being a violent persecutor of the church as a tool to beat him down every single day, Paul says that he decided to move on. He decided to let it go, to give it up, to leave the past in the past and to move on in the future with Jesus Christ. Move on in the future with Jesus Christ. Going back to Philippians again, Philippians 3, verse 13, Paul says, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Brother Stan is not here this morning. And that probably is a good thing for me because I can say what I'm about to say right now without worrying about getting a bunch of text messages about Larry Bird later on today. So that, that actually may be a positive. But I'm going to tell you, and y'all know I already know I believe this in my view, and I'm a big basketball fan. But in my view, Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player to ever lace up a pair of sneakers. Best to ever do it. Many of y'all know I'm a huge, huge Michael Jordan fan. Six-time NBA champion. Six-time finals MVP. Five-time league MVP. 14-time NBA All-Star. Ten-time scoring champion. Rookie of the year. Defensive player of the year. Two-time slam dunk champion. I mean, he did it all. He literally, he literally did it, everything you can do. At the highest level, but few people realize, few people realize in his childhood, Michael Jordan wasn't very good. 
That's right. Michael Jordan was not a very good basketball player as a kid. He certainly was not the Michael Jordan that we know today. He actually tried out for his varsity team his sophomore year, and he didn't make it. That's right, Michael Jordan didn't make the varsity team his sophomore year in high school. The coach told him that he was too short and he wasn't good enough to play at that level. And thankfully, instead of giving up and feeling sorry for himself and wallowing in self-pity and misery, Michael Jordan said he used that as fuel to get better. He said he used that failure as motivation to become a better player in the future. He said, quote, whenever I was working out and I got tired and I figured I had to stop, I would close my eyes and see that list in the locker room without my name on it, and that actually got me going again. In other words, he used his disappointment from the past as fuel to accomplish his goal in the future, and I really like that because Paul is saying in Philippians that as Christians, as disciples, in a spiritual sense, well, that's something that God wants us to do. That's something that God wants me to do, and that's what he wants you to do. In addition to trusting in God's forgiveness and leaving our sinful past in the past, God also wants us to use our past mistakes as rocket fuel to be better for the Lord in the future. He wants us to use our past mistakes not as something to drag us down and weigh us down and to be something that we carry with us to be a burden, but as something that we can use to launch us into a positive future, a future that has us walking with Jesus Christ. A future that gives us access to God through prayer and access to God's forgiveness. A future that includes kingdom work and kingdom service. A future that includes spiritual peace and the hope of being able to go to heaven. I mean, that is what Paul is talking about in verse 14 when he mentions the prize. You see, when Paul mentions the prize there in that verse, he's talking about heaven. He's talking about eternal life. He's talking about us being able to actually live with God and his son in his house. That is what God has promised the forgiven and the faithful, and that should be enough to motivate us to serve him every day. That should be enough to motivate us to trust in his forgiveness and leave the past in the past it moved forward with Jesus Christ. In fact, maybe there's someone here this morning and you've yet to do any of those things. Maybe there's someone here this morning and you have not yet allowed God to deal with the sins of your past so that you can move on with him and fellowship in the present and in the future. If that describes you this morning, I want you to know that you're in a good place. You're in the right place at the right time. If you will seek the Lord on his terms, seek his forgiveness on his terms, he will forgive you. He will keep his promise to take away your sins, to give you spiritual renewal, and you can leave here, leaving the past in the past, and moving forward with him and his son into a glorious future. And that's something we can help you with this morning.
then we'll be more than happy to. And we're going to invite you to come to the front right now as we stand and we sing together. Come forward.